Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Mixed martial arts and boxing fans, it's time for Fighter's Fury inside the heart of a champion with your hosts, Brendan Tobin, Seema, and Tommy Guns. It's time for Fighter's Fury on AM790 The Ticket. Good Sunday morning, everybody. Welcome on in. Fighter's Fury here on 790 The Ticket. Got a lot to get to over the next hour. It was a busy weekend, a busy week in mixed martial arts and boxing. Last night, action-packed, a lot of things going on. I want to start off with UFC Calgary last night. Dustin Poirier disposing of Eddie Alvarez in two rounds and just continues to shine at 155 pounds. And if this guy wasn't in the most talent-stacked division in the UFC that didn't have the biggest star in the UFC, he probably would have had two, if not three, title shots at this point already. That's how good his record has been since moving up from featherweight four years ago from that loss to Conor McGregor a long, long time ago. He's been fantastic. He looks like he continues to grow. You see a lot of versatility out of him. And yesterday took a, a rivalry matchup against Eddie Alvarez that had a weird ending the first time where he was beating Eddie Alvarez, ended up taking an illegal knee. Eddie Alvarez clearly angered him when he thought that Poirier quit that last fight and wanted a way out. And this one wasn't without a little bit of controversy, none of which had to do with Dustin Poirier. Um, you know, they get into the second round. First round was super close. I really think it could. It was, it was, it was as coin toss as it gets. They get to the second round. You know, Eddie Alvarez is coming after him quick. You know, Poirier pulls guard, tries to catch him in a, in a, in a guillotine. And apparently Eddie Alvarez is like sticking his finger in his ear, grabbing onto the cage, just doing a lot of illegal stuff. Um, you know, so Poirier doesn't quite have it. And it looks like he's going to try and grab him again. This one, uh, even looser than the first one. And so it gets reversed on him and Eddie Alvarez gets a neck crank on him. He's able to fight it off okay. He's hitting Eddie in the head, fighting off the uh, the neck crank even more. But then Eddie Alvarez gets on him, basically full mount with with uh, with Dustin up against the cage. You know, starts to try and do work on him. He's obviously got plenty of weight on him, and throws him a twelve throws a twelve six elbow like right on his shoulder. And Mark Goddard, who had uh, warned Eddie about doing some illegal stuff already in that fight, decides to stand him up. Stands him up with about minute and a half left and Dustin Poirier unloads on Eddie Alvarez I mean just throws the kitchen sink at him up against the cage and and the fight is finished and Dustin Poirier gets the win really really impressive performance uh I don't think anything should be thrown at Dustin Poirier as far as it being a tainted win because of a referee's call it was a correct call we can go back and forth about whether or not the rule sucks a lot of people think it does suck. It's a, it's a, it's an outdated rule. It hasn't had a lot of um, – this is the only thing I'll say. There's a lot of people who want the 12-6 elbow uh, to be legalized. They don't understand why a, a strike like that is illegal. 
And if you guys don't know, John Jones, it's why he has the only loss on his resume. Uh, that that is the only that's the only w- reason why John Jones doesn't have an O in his loss column is because of the strike. And so this strike is very controversial in that it's illegal and looked upon as more dangerous, but not with really any great reason, and it doesn't get highlighted a lot. So there's a couple of things there. One, you could say, well, it doesn't seem like this happens a lot, so is there really a need to change the rule? Because it seems like fighters are getting along just fine with it. I mean, look, it's mixed martial arts. There's not a lot of rules, all right? You know, you don't hit it, you don't knee or kick a downed opponent, you don't groin strike, you don't eye gouge, and you don't do 12-6. If I'm missing any, it's not many. There are not a lot of rules in that cage, and it doesn't seem like this gets hit uh, very much. You could go to this particular case and say, well, spirit of the rule, he didn't hit him on the head. Like, that rule is specifically to protect against bad head strikes, and Eddie Alvarez didn't strike his head, struck his shoulder neck area, and even in the even in the midst of it all happening, Poirier was telling you, no, 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 it's fine. I think this came to an accumulation of the ref being tired of stuff Eddie Alvarez was doing in the cage, um, which was revealed later, like, you know, grabbing the fence, ear, gou- ear gouging him. I guess that's a rule. I've never never heard that one, probing his ear. That's that's a bit of a weird one. So, yeah, I could, I could feel for Eddie Alvarez in that that's not something that is called a lot, but it's also not something that's thrown a lot. For there not being a lot of rules in the cage, it's not like this is a controversy that continually happens. It seems like everybody is following the rule just fine. Um, I also go to this point. All right, it's not like Eddie Eddie had him in a bad spot, but it's not like Eddie had him in this horrible position where he was just putting unappreciable damage on Dustin Poirier, where Dustin had no way of coming back. It was going to be a hard thing to ride out. He had still 90 seconds left under Eddie Alvarez in his full mount. So, you know, maybe Eddie Alvarez had something to unfold there. But also, once you get stood up, you don't get knocked the bleep out. I mean, you had the you you had the advantageous position the entire time. It's not like it's not like Dustin was wearing you the entire round. So you would think that you were going to come out of that one a little fresher. And you know, Dustin, when it was stood up. Dustin went and and did what he had to do to get that win. So it's not without controversy, but it doesn't taint the win in my eyes. Now, here's the tough spot for the UFC when it comes to Dustin Poirier, and and, and the tough spot for Dustin Poirier is he's got a big choice on his hands, and that is when is he going to fight? Because he is in line for the title, but the title is... And the contenders are already decided. Now, thankfully for him, Conor McGregor was cleared this week, basically. All his felony charges are dropped. He is clear to fight. The big rumored date for Conor versus Habib is early October in Las Vegas. So that being the case, it's not like Dustin is off this. um, He's not he's not going to have to wait out for that fight to even happen very long. You know, we're talking, you know, eight weeks. You know, it's not ideal. Like, you'd like to be more in line with the champion, but it's not this horrible, horrible long way. It's not like this fight's happening at the end of the year. Um, for example, like, I think it's a much messier situation if you're at light heavyweight with Dustin with uh, Daniel Cormier because 
Cormier is, you know, he's probably going to fight Brock Lesnar next. I can't imagine he's going to take a fight at light heavyweight, even if he says he is. And he's not fighting Brock Lesnar until January. So that title is truly held up. That, that title needs to be vacated. But for Dustin, there's also the situation of he not only has that to wait out, but also, look, Tony Ferguson also has a claim to that throne. Tony Ferguson was the interim champion. He had a freak accident that ended up with him losing his interim belt. But before that was a champion. And also had a huge winning streak going. So that four-horse race right now of Connor, Khabib, Dustin Poirier, and Tony Ferguson, it's as tight as it gets. So what does he do? I don't quite know when Tony Ferguson's going to be back. He is starting to work out more, and it's. It, I think he would hope to be there before the end of the year. So do we have a situation where we just have a true – number one contendership. It's not going to be for a title fight because the title is going to be decided in October. Do Tony and Dustin fight each other for the next shot at 155 pounds? And then you also run the risk of, well, if Connor wins this fight against Khabib and he becomes champion, is he coming back? Is he coming back? Is he going to continue to defend? Is he going to want to fight a guy like Dustin Poirier? Or is he going to try and lure out George St. Pierre or some big fight like that? Is he going to go with the Nate Diaz trilogy? It's a really, really tough spot for anybody in this situation because of the Connor factor. It's not the fact that you're just in a stacked division. It is a very stacked division with a lot of great contenders, but also because of the Connor McGregor factor, because you are in that division with a guy of his star power and his just pull with the promotion, what do you do? And I think in this case, if you're Dustin Poirier, I think the best solution is just to be Dustin Poirier and you go continue to go beat the best guys they throw in front of you. And if that means going to fight Tony Ferguson, even though you probably don't need a win over Tony Ferguson to even solidify yourself more, you just do it because you obviously got to get paid. You got to, you have to continue to stay active. You're not this guy who wants to stay dormant. You don't want to stay out of people's minds. You really want to be as undeniable as possible, especially when you have the politics that are there in play because of Connor being there. I think if you're I think if you're Dustin Poirier, if they come to you and say, Hey, we really want you to fight Tony Ferguson, and you're like, like, do I really have to go fight a killer like Tony Ferguson to continue to prove myself? No, you don't on any other weight class. But in this one, you probably do. Because not only that, here's the thing. You know, he calls out Dustin calls out Khabib after yesterday's fight, and it's understandable. Because he has been knocked out by Conor McGregor before. It was at 145 pounds. It was four years ago. It was a long time. He's a different fighter. He's a better fighter, healthier fighter. But here's the other thing. Conor is too. You know, Conor is up at 155. So it's not like we haven't seen Conor at this weight class. We haven't seen him become champ at this weight class. We haven't seen him do exactly what you did last night. And that is dispatch of Eddie Alvarez. In fact... You know, we could probably say he probably beat a, 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 a more in his prime Eddie Alvarez. So I do think, though Dustin has earned everything and definitely is warranted of a title shot, I do think that there's a lot of poking and prodding that the guys at the top will probably do, mostly Conor McGregor, because he has beaten Dustin before, because there are other factors, there are other fights that maybe if, if Conor is, let's just say Conor beats Khabib, right? And he's looking around and he's saying, well, what is the bigger fight? 
is it going to be Connor versus Tony or is it going to be Connor versus Dustin? You could probably say those two are a wash, but he has beaten Dustin before. And so I just think that they're going to look and say, well, what's the fresher matchup? And I think in that regard, they may go Tony. I don't know. But if I were Dustin, I would I would eradicate the option. I wouldn't I wouldn't let Tony Ferguson even have a have a claim at it. And that sucks. And, and, and it's it's not uh it's not ideal for a guy who's eight one and one since he's gone to 155 pounds since losing to Conor McGregor. But I just think it kind of is what it is. Now, if 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 they try if if Khabib comes out on top, if he's able to beat Conor McGregor, I would imagine if that fight happens and if he does if if Khabib beats Conor McGregor, if he wins that fight, how does that fight look? I would say it probably looks like Khabib Nurmagomedov taking Conor down a whole bunch and just butchering him with shots the entire fight. So could we see a, a rematch from a style like that? Maybe not. If that is the case, I think Dustin's in, in a good spot to get a title shot. I think that, unfortunately, he probably has to go into this fight that happens in October, really rooting for Khabib to win the fight, even though everybody wants to eventually fight Conor McGregor because of the payday. And I'm sure Dustin would even love to avenge that loss, especially with the star that Conor is now. I mean, when they fought, I think it was UFC on Fox way back in the day, and Conor was getting big, but he wasn't what he is now. So I'm sure Dustin would not only like to avenge that fight, but also be on a Conor McGregor, be in a Conor McGregor fight and get the monster payday. Um, but I think that his quicker path to the title is Khabib winning and then him getting to fight Namaga Madoff, you know, let's say at that point, early 2019. And that wouldn't be a terrible wait for him. You know, let's say if Khabib wins in October, fights again in March, you know, it's not ideal. Everybody would like to fight every, probably like to fight every few months or every four months or maybe every six months. You know, that's not a terrible way for Dustin if he has to do that. But, you know, if Connor wins the belt, um, you know, then you're probably going to have to take another fight. So maybe this is one of those things where Dustin just waits it out and finds out if Tony Ferguson um, is healthy, you know, needs a little bit more time to recover. You'll know the result at that point of Khabib versus Connor, and you'll probably know the health status of Tony Ferguson. And if Khabib wins, I would probably say, nah, I'm going to fight Khabib. And I could see the UFC doing it because they've tried to make Tony versus Khabib, is it three or four times? I can't, I can't remember off the top of my head. But it's at least three, and it's fallen through every time. It's a cursed fight. So I think the UFC would definitely be more inclined to make Dustin versus Khabib because I think they're done with trying to make Khabib versus Tony. It's just too cursed. When we come back, We'll get into a little bit more of UFC Calgary, where things stand with the lightweight division, and 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 when are we going to see Conor McGregor versus Khabib? Also, big move in the welterweight division this week as far as the title picture, the status of Colby Covington, and where things stand with that mess. And plus, a lot of great boxing action last night. Luis Ortiz getting a big-time win on Showtime. Mikey Garcia getting a big-time win on Showtime. And Dillian White versus Joe Parker across the pond in London. We'll get to that next. It's Fighters Fury on AM790, The Ticket. 
All right, welcome back. Fighters Fury continues here on 790 The Ticket. Seam will join us shortly in studio. Get his thoughts on what went down at UFC Calgary last night. Also, big uh, shout-out to Jose Aldo. Big time win over Jeremy Stevens. Look, I'm not going to lie. I was in the camp that thought Jose was uh, was washed. I thought that this was uh, just too many beatings. I, th- I think that the guy's been in so many big fights. He's been in a lot of a lot of championship level fights he's been just taking number one contender after number one contender i just thought it was too much and jeremy stevens looked like he was on a bit of a run he seemed prime for this one and jose aldo just body snatched him just an absolute devastating liver shot that went right to him and got the big win it felt really good for him you could tell it meant a lot to him to get that win i think he probably felt all the people that were doubting him going into this and it's been a hell of a career. The guy's been in a lot of big, big fights. And you know that it's been hard for him to bounce back from the Connor loss, having the Max Holloway losses on his career. And so all that stuff being a factor for him, him to get that win, it was uh, it was pretty great. It was pretty great. And, you know, saying yesterday, he was really classy in, in his victory too, really sending out well wishes to Max Holloway. And, you know, Dana said a couple things regarding Max this week. You know, he said that he was doing well. Uh, they gave him a time frame, but they want we actually want him to wait a little bit longer, make sure that he's 100%. Um, they're really not sure what it was. There were some rumors that it was a stroke. That has been shot down. He says there was no stroke. It had either to do with a concussion, either a concussion or something with him cutting weight. Um, they don't know for sure, but we know that he's doing okay. He's healthy and he's doing a lot better. And Max Holloway, another one who's just been an absolute stud, you know, tried to go and save the Khabib card. And after the the Tony fight fell through, and Max Holloway, it's impossible not to root for him. And so the fact that he's uh, he's doing better is is great to hear. So that was uh, that was interesting to see yesterday with Jose Aldo. Also, Yana and Jacek getting herself a win against Tisha Torres. Won the decision 30-27, three times over. And... Look, with Joanna, I I uh, respect. Sorry, man. We had you stuck outside the gate. Siemens just walked into the building. We got a big security over here, man. We got to protect the uh we got to protect these chairs. I know. I don't know I don't know what's going on. We got dirty popper stoppers or something like that. You got to <laughs> you got to protect. Got to protect them. We can't have them get pawned for $3. Yeah, you could sell these things. They're like petri dishes. <laughs> oh, man. Uh but anyway, so yeah, Joanna yesterday getting herself a win. I, I, there's a, there's something that re, I, I respect a little bit of the uh, the undeniable delusion of Joanna where she's like I didn't lose that last fight I, and I'm not leaving until I, I get my next I don't know how she's going to get another fight with Rose Nami Yunus uh, other than it's just not very deep at 115 pounds so if 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 Rose ends up losing uh, an upcoming fight to let's say like Jessica Andrade or something like that maybe um, but I think it's almost like a situation with Dustin where he probably is better off or she's better off having Rose lose the belt and then she'll get the other shot because, you know, it, she's clearly cream of the crop, but you get to the situation where you lose a couple fights, like Stephen Wonderboy Thompson and Tyron Woodley. You lose a couple fights, hard to make that fight again. And so I think that Rose is in that position. But I do respect the fact that she doesn't want to change weight classes. A lot of times we see you take a couple losses at a championship fight and they tell you, ah, just move up. And she doesn't want to move up. She wants to stick at 115 and she still wants to make that cut and get her belt back. So there's that's that's definitely definitely honorable. It is honorable. Sometimes it's a, it's annoying. It's borderline annoying. Though at the same time, you got to respect her. She comes out, she does her thing. I think 
the best thing for her is for them to try to develop some sort of power and strength. Because that's the only thing I believe that will potentially allow her to beat Rose is to knock her out. And we've seen, especially in her most recent fights, she does not have the ability or the power to knock anybody out. So I don't know what it's going to take. Right. Hint, hint. Um, but uh, she needs something, to, I think, to to uh, put a little lead in those in those gloves and be able to throw punches and cause some damage rather than accumulation. Because we're seeing it even in even in boxing, for example. Boxers are throwing 60, 70 punches around. 80% of them are jabs. The guy they're fighting is throwing 30 punches, landing 15 power shots, and mm-hmm. they're winning the round. Yeah, we saw that last night the, with, the, uh, with Garcia. Exactly. The judges are more impacted. And I think, I'm not... I'm not saying that's not justified, but they're definitely more impacted by the punches, the blows, the strikes that cause damage. Yeah. And when I watch Joanna, especially lately, I don't see that power. I don't see the fear in other fighters' eyes. I don't see the explosiveness that I once saw when she was a beast Mm -hmm. when we would watch her two, three years ago. Um, and it seems so long ago, but it's not where no, it's not. she would, it was almost like, I, I want to say Manny Pacquiao-esque, where she would hit you from all angles, and she'd hit you with six, seven, eight punches before you even knew, like, what the hell's going on? Yeah, that's and true. And I'm not seeing that now, and I think that's what she has been humanized by Rose. And I think others look now are looking at her and I'm not I'm not afraid of her anymore. I'll fight her. And a lot of that confidence shows in the cage because now they're able to to put Joanna in some uh, interesting situations. Yeah. As well. So I think it's going to take something. What's the saying? Nothing changes unless something changes. Mm hmm. And something has to change in her approach. And I know she's changed camp. She's at ATT now, I think, three fights in Yep. with ATT. And so, she loves it there. I mean, she is very high on what they're doing for her. I mean, it, 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 it's very rare we actually even hear, you know, somebody be as defensive of a camp after taking losses like that. I mean, that would have been a very easy place for people to go. And she's gone out of her way to defend all of her coaches there. And then in the midst of her, her post. Including Daddy Dan Lambert. Yeah. Well, and, and also, even yesterday, like, made it a point in the midst of her post-fight interview to praise all of them. Yes. So she clearly likes it there. Well, they're doing, they're, they've obviously, they've been doing something right for a long period of time. And while there's been asterisks next to some of those fighters and how they got to where they got to with regards to their, their power and mm-hmm. their ability to cause damage, significant damage in a, in a short period of time. I think that now, when you look at somebody like Dustin Poirier, talk about unbelievable three sixty. It's a, it's it's a, he he is he's so damn good in every fight. I was I was looking back. I mean, he's on a streak now of four fight bonuses in a row. He would have had five if it wasn't for the illegal knee. Just of of how great he's been, and you just think about the guy who lost to Connor the way he did at one hundred and forty five pounds. He's just he's completely different. I don't know what they. I don't know what I would do if I was in a situation, Seema. He's he if he was in any other weight class, he'd 
already have two title shots right. with that kind of a record. And he's in this position where, all right, you've had to wait out the Connor thing. You've 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 squashed the Eddie Alvarez controversy. You've beaten all the top guys that isn't that aren't you know Khabib, Tony, and uh, and and uh, Khabib and Tony. And now you're in this spot where do you continue to fight? Do you wait out the Connor Khabib thing? What does he do? What because I, I it sounded like yesterday. Look, he's he deserves a title shot. He says he deserves a title shot. He's not wrong. Like let's just put that there. Dustin Poirier is not wrong. He does deserve a title shot. But just because you deserve one doesn't mean you're going to get one. And in the position he's in with Khabib fighting Connor, does he have to fight Tony to even solidify it more? I I, I, I don't know. I, I don't know what you have to do because when Tony comes back and he's healthy, you could definitely say Tony deserve, is, is as deserving of a shot at the crown as... Dustin is he was the interim champion and lost it on a freak accident that wasn't in fighting so I don't know if they offer him that fight I can understand not wanting to because you want to protect your stand but also if you don't fight and you try and wait this thing out Tony may swipe right in and get your title shot and so then what happens I don't it's it's a really tough position he's in and I would think that the way he's been is he doesn't run away he takes really tough fights. He takes risky fights. And so if, if we do get to a point where, let's say, hey, Dustin, December, you fight Tony Ferguson, or November, you fight Tony Ferguson, and then the winner goes on, they get the title shot. I think he's probably going to end up doing it. But he it is Tony risky. Fer- if he fights Tony Ferguson and wins the way that he's been winning, I'd just give him a belt because <laughs> he deserves it. He deserves that, it. At, at that point, I yeah. mean, Tony Ferguson is probably – I think one of the most difficult fights in that division, yeah. more so than Connor and more so than Habib. Habib, if you can if you can keep him from taking you to the ground, I think you win the fight mm-hmm. because Habib's shown he's not the best tactical fighter on his feet. Um, and he doesn't have great strikes mm-hmm. standing. Now on the ground, once he gets you on the ground, he's a beast. Yeah, he's a mauler. But, and Connor, the exact opposite. You take him to the ground... You're gonna have a feast mm-hmm. as of from what we've seen thus far. Now, who knows what he's is? Has he really been kicking back for the last two years and he, doing they, absolutely nothing, they, or has he been working on that? They well, I don't know if he's been working on that to get better at that because I mean, let's for, not forget he spent the last year training for boxing. So, I don't know, but we do know that he's apparently in shape to fight, and the rumor is that that they're going to fight in October in Las Vegas. That that they that this is Habib. Habib versus Connor in Las Vegas. That's the big rumor. Has not been confirmed, but that's what they want to do. They want to do it in Vegas. They don't want to do it in New York. Question um, for you. Hmm? Do you think they use the bus footage to promote this fight? Definitely. 100%. 100%. Yeah. yeah it's just like, you mean like when Dust, when uh, John Jones and Daniel Cormier went at it, and they're like, oh, this was a disgusting act. Roll footage. Yeah. Roll I th- tape. I think it's hilarious. Dana's, it's, om- it's, it's so WWE-esque. Yeah. Dana comes out and bashes Connor for what he did and not even talking to him. Oh, disgusting. One of the, the most disgusting things it's gonna, I've ever seen. It's going to create how great How many, many pay-per-views are we going to have with this? Yeah. Roll footage? Yeah. They even had like the – it was so funny, man. They even had like the, the camera right there of the Connor shot while he's throwing. Hey, 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 I know we, we all think we're going to die in here, but hey, camera guy, roll, roll, roll from the inside. We need that angle. Hey, how about the, the, the fighters? So I'm sorry, I'm I'm jumping off no, topic, but 
this whole this whole thing that happened this week with Connor, you know, Connor basically is scot free. Yeah, reinstated. He did, you know, what was it, five hours of community service or something like that. Yeah. And then, and, and the the most hilarious part of it is, the transportation company gets restitution for the damage caused to the bus. Mm-hmm. The fighters got a restraining order. Crazy. So does that mean they can't fight him ever? I don't know. That's a weird one. Maybe only in New York. Is that is that like a state thing? I don't know. It's don't know just know says they. It's a restraining order for all three: Ray Borg, Kiesa, and some. What was the other fighter? I forgot. Yeah. So those three guys, they didn't get any restitution. They no. didn't get damages. They both. Well, Ray was it. Ray Borg and Kiesa were off fights. Kiesa got uh, lost being on that card, and he claims that. Remember that was the car with uh, Khabib and Tony, and that Max stepped in for. He claims that you know he would have been one of the guys to step in if all that stuff went down. Because remember, it was a huge mess. I Quinta ended up fighting for right. uh, the title, but he wasn't even on weight. It was a, it was a big mess. Right. Uh, and then Ray Borg, you know, he's I don't know. He I don't I don't even know if Ray Borg's fought. I know he's had a lot of stuff personally with his son. His son's been sick and stuff like that. So. I don't know, but I, th- I, you know, he's not, he doesn't seem like he's he's out for a long time. So. Yeah, just just interesting resolution to that that whole case. Yeah, but not surprising. No, not no, surprising not at all. You got to make that. You got to make some things go away. I guess. When we come back, we'll talk a little bit about uh, what went down in boxing yesterday. And plus, I wanted to get your thoughts on what's happening with the welterweight division and everything that happened this week because that's 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 a cluster bleep to me. We're back after this. It's Fighters Fury on AM790, The Ticket. All right, welcome back. Fighters Fury here on The Ticket. Um, Before we move, I want to get your thoughts, Seema, on this uh, Uh welterweight matchup that went down, but a little boxing action yesterday on Showtime. You had Mikey Garcia defeating Robert Easter by unanimous decision. And we were talking a little bit about it. You know, Robert Easter had that that reached that jab and looked like he was going real strong for I'd say about six rounds. And then it kind of just, it turned from him, couldn't really make an adjustment. And, uh, and Mikey Garcia ended up taking it, put him down on the canvas at one point in the fight and very impressive. He's obviously taking on a guy who's five eleven, uh, tough reach to get around, but, uh, Garcia ends up unifying the lightweight title. And now he says he wants to fight Errol Spence next. He wants to go up from 135 pound champion to fighting Bad the welterweight champion. I respect the uh, the nuts on Garcia for wanting to do that and wanting to be as tough as it gets. But to me, it seems like he's biting off a little bit more than he can chew. Like I love the idea and I love the storyline of it. But to me, I know that to me, I know that there is this is a much easier fight to make because they're both basically PBC guys. They're both Showtime guys, so I think. I think, uh, and they're both kind of in this no man's land because Errol Spence is kind of waiting for the uh, the the fallout of uh, Sean Porter and Danny Garcia, and he's going to take on the winner of that. But if I'm Mikey Garcia, there's a couple things. One, I'd still I think there's 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 a big fish out there at, at lightweight in Lomachenko, so I'd want to make that fight happen. I know it's a lot tougher because obviously Lomachenko's a top ranked guy, he's an ESPN guy. And that's not an easy fight to make. But I think that, for me, it's a more important fight to make because you get to really find out who is the best 135er on the planet. 
I think, really star power wise, who's a better draw right now? Who's who's hotter, Lomachenko or Errol Spence? I feel like it's Lomachenko, so I feel like you're gonna get more credit for that anyway. And I just think it's a more realistic fight. Like I think if Garcia goes and and fights Errol Spence and loses, I think I think first of all, it's a really tough first loss to take on your career, just to kind of go big whale hunting almost and big game hunting. So, and I don't know how much I don't know how much that's going to resonate with people. I, I really don't. So my question would be to you: Do you fight the guy in Lomachenko, who's in your weight class, and poses a very difficult challenge? Mm-hmm. Is highly skilled and technical in a different in a different stratosphere than what he's fought before. Or do you go up in a fight that everybody says you're crazy to take and lose? And get a lot of eyes and pats on the back for going to do it. And uh, and if you happen to win, now people are looking at you like, wow, this yeah. Mikey Garcia guy. So I think it's all dependent on how you look at it. I think it's a bad fight, fight for him. I think he loses. But if he loses, we all say, ah, oh, we told you so. We told you so. And like, I don't know what the reward is. So for me... But it's, what's the reward if he loses to Lomachenko? There, I mean, there is he's no. Not the best, he's, he's not the not best. He's not even talked about. Not even talked in the about. the best but pound for pound. But if he does win, if he does beat Lomachenko, who is at least top five. I think both guys right now, you have to say, are top five pound for pound on the planet. I would say. And I think that that becomes undeniable at that point. And also, look, Lomachenko's not. Both the guys aren't young. They're both kind of at this this uh this final i think window of their prime where they're like getting to 30 31 32 so i would say this is a perfect time to make that fight happen and i also think that if the fight doesn't happen now it's going to be tough when all of a sudden mikey garcia's got to put on all this weight at 147 pounds and then come back down you know what i mean Mm -hmm. and i i feel like look we've seen this how manny pacquiao's done it before where he's made the climb but manny's Manny's climb is Usada involved? I don't know. Okay, if they're know. not involved, go for it. But either way, Usada or not, use the Manny Pacquiao technique. <laughs> but either way, Manny's Manny using the using the syringe or not, his climb was still steady. It wasn't a oh, 135 pound pounds jump. now. I'm going to go 147. Like no, he was he was yeah, doing he should that. be going to 140. Yeah, and 140. It, it just seems like a huge huge jump to me. So uh, I don't know. Also, shout out to Luis Ortiz who knocked out that dude Razvan. Razvan. Uh, I Luis Ortiz is a little bit in that Dustin Poirier situation. I, he definitely deserves to be right back in that title talk. Uh, had a very, very had a great fight with Deontay Wilder. Be fun to see him fight Anthony Joshua. Because frankly, if if Wilder and uh, Joshua aren't going to fight each other, they're uh, not fighting now again. Nah, nah not going to fight. Nah. Uh, so I don't know what he why? does. Oh, you know what, man? You know Wilder motors and whatnot. I don't know. Which I, side do you think it is? It sounds. I don't think it's Joshua's. Really, you think it's more? Yeah, you've been on this theory that it's more that Wilder's doing this all for show. He's highly protected, man. He's got a lot. He's got a weird promotion set up too. Like a weird. Like he's got like three different people running them. Um, I don't know, man. I don't know. I'm just annoyed by it. I can tell you that much. Either way. Um. So I want to get your thoughts on this welterweight mess, and then we'll we'll, we'll get in some uh some picks for next week as well because we got UFC 227 next week. Um. Yes, so this week we find out that 
Tyron Woodley is going to defend his welterweight title against Darren Till at UFC 228 in September. And Colby Covington, who just won the interim title, beating Rafael dos Anjos, really, really dominated that fight and was impressive. And finally, I mean, this was amazing to me because I like Tyron Woodley. I like his fight style. Dude knocked out Robbie Lawler. He's he's an absolute badass. His next three title fights were some of the most boring you've ever seen as far as title fights are concerned. Close fights, but not exciting. And Tyron Woodley, I mean, he's, he feels like he spends his entire time justifying how he's the greatest. He's just a, it's very, very hard to get behind him, even though I really, I, I really, really respect his talent. But it, it, every time he's on, on, on an interview or has a microphone in face, it's, it's all this, why don't you talk about this? Why don't you talk about this? Why don't you talk about this? It's like, hey man, if you have to do this much debating, maybe the problem isn't us, you know? Like, w- the fan- fans like what they like, and it's like he's got to come in there with debate topic points as to why we like other people as opposed to him. Either way, um, finally, with this Colby fight, because he was trying to get the Diaz fight and the GSP fight and the McGregor fight, finally he has somebody in his weight class that he wants to fight, who's an actual contender, who he has heat behind. The two hate each other. They hate each other from American Top Team. And it seems to me like this could be the next legit rivalry in UFC, that we can actually get some heat behind. And so the UFC, they decide Colby, who apparently is getting nasal surgery, he can't fight in September, but he's willing to fight in November when he's fully recovered and gets a full training camp. And they say, nah, no good. We're going to have uh, Woodley fight Darren Till. You're kind of on the outs. We're taking your, your interim title away as soon as that fight starts. I just don't get it. I don't get Darren Till getting the shot. He horribly missed weight his last time. In his weight cut, Sima said he went blind. Blind. <laughs> blind. He couldn't see. They couldn't put him on the treadmill because he was blind. He should have just strapped him in. <laughs> just give him one of those strap like, him in move your legs just move the legs he went blind man you're not going anywhere anyway you're and on a so, treadmill and even afterwards Till's like I don't deserve a shot after that and so like I don't blame Till well then there you go there's the there's the humble approach right I that guess. hasn't that hasn't worked in a long time I don't deserve I don't a deserve shot I am no good but I get to, like Till's like well, what guess am I what well, look, Dana's on the phone I can't say no I mean, my boss is saying hey title <laughs> shot so I'm not I'm not blaming Till, but it is funny. He did say, I don't deserve the title shot. Didn't even make weight. I'm at the back of the line. So I just don't get How it. How would man. he know where he is? He's blind, you said. Fair point. Okay. Um <laughs> but I just don't get it, man. It's like we gotta have a title fight for UFC two twenty eight. Have to. And I'm just like, hey man, with the way pay per view numbers have been lately and they haven't been good. <laughs> like you just had Steve Evers DC. It's about as good as you can make right now. And you didn't even do 400,000 buys. So, ouch. Just take one on the chin. Put it put Till versus Kamara Usman, the two number one contenders. Put them on that card and with that women's flyweight title, I don't even know who the champ is, quite frankly. We follow this stuff. I don't know who she is. And best fight just, is John Jones on steroids versus Brock Lesnar on steroids. True. But just Let's make it happen. But hey, man, just wait out the welterweight thing. Just have them wait until November and do the fight. What? Do, what, what is this? You you're putting Darren t- and then let's say Darren Till wins. Then what? 
then you lose the Woodley fight. I mean, you know, they're not going to put him in a big fight anymore because they hate him. It's clear. He's dis- Woodley? Yeah, he's disgruntled. They're disgruntled. Yeah, he doesn't... You know, the weird thing they is... They have he, him on that Fox show, don't they? Yeah, they do. But, like, all he does is 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 uh, use Pitch. that... All he uses is that Fox platform to uh, tell you how he's the, he's, the, he's the greatest and you're all underappreciating. Him and DC. Yeah, but at least DC does it with more of a smile. Yeah. He's much more jovial. So a jack-o'-lantern smile. I just think it's a disaster by the UFC. He's got a jack-o'-lantern smile. What is that? Because he got the weird the missing like, tooth. snaggle tooth. He's got that missing. When he takes his tooth out, he's got the jack-o'-lantern smile. Anyway, it just bothered me, man. I, I just, can tell. I was just like, what, "What? What are you doing? Like, come on, man. This one, this one. Like, you guys have no. You, good... You sound like you sound like Kamara Usman. You got no good fights to make. You got one. This one's sewed up on You're a platter emotional. for you. I am very emotional. <laughs> yeah, for what, those who don't know, Kamara <laughs> Usman, he got mad. Him and Eddie Alvarez are boys, and he said. F that referee. I will not fight I will not fight if that ref is calling my fight. He cost Eddie that fight. Mark Goddard was the referee. And he responded to him on Twitter. He says, Mr. Usman, I understand emotion is a factor. Mr. Alvarez held the fence, clawed the ear, and then threw a twelve six elbow. That is why the positional advantage was taken away. As for your request, no problem. That's easily arranged. I wish you the best in your career. <laughs> What a great response. It's fantastic. You never see a ref clap back like that. It's a great response. That's that's doing that's doing the Adrian Broner on the Jumbotron right. without doing it. The middle fingers? Yeah. Yeah. Tremendous. Yeah. Um, so yeah. I don't know. I'm just annoyed by it, man. Just annoyed by it. Like Darren Till doesn't deserve the title shot. And both da- both both Woodley and Covington will be ready in a couple months. I don't understand this rush to have a title fight. It's, you don't want you want especially to when Woodley's been on the shelf for what eighteen months a year. Pretty much, yeah. He hasn't fought in a year. And here's the other thing: you want to know something? If Conor McGregor is coming back in in October, that means you're going to get a big boost to your bottom line. You just see two twenty two twenty eight a wash. Yeah, you could put uh, it's a wash. Put a lot of awesome fights on it, and then you, and then you don't even that... have to put a lot of awesome fights on it. You could put some of this. Demetrius Johnson, Henry Cejudo. I right. feel bad. I have to pay for that fight next week. Right. I'm like, oh, if you what if you guys didn't see this coming, why did you put two title fights on this upcoming card? It makes no sense. What do you think? You think they put two title fights on this upcoming card because nobody is buying it? Would buy a Demetrius Johnson title fight. True. They mm. should have put that on Fox. I would have paid to see Eddie Alvarez Poirier. On on next week, yeah, yeah, I'd pay for that more than I'd pay to see Mighty Mouse. I can uh, I can uh, I can jive with you on that. I agree, I agree. I, I think that was a mistake. Well, let's get to UFC two twenty seven next week. We have a couple of rematches. Um, both fights ended very early, but they're doing they're running them back. TJ Dillashaw versus Cody Garbrandt. You want to talk about rivalries? These dudes hate each other. Uh, it has lost a little bit of its luster because. Cody, I would say, is the bigger bleep talker, but he got knocked out in the last fight, so he's been a little bit... Uh... I think he redeems himself this time. You think so? I do. What makes you think that? I just think he was super emotional in the last fight, and as we just saw from you, emotion takes over, Yeah. and you, especially in a fight sequence, you don't think that the guy can hurt you. Because your emotion and your adrenaline is driving your machismo. Right. And if you look how he got knocked out in that fight, they were both throwing haymakers. Yeah. 
he was throwing him a little tad bit wider than Dillashaw. He needs to fight this fight like he fought Dominic Cruz. Like, Absolutely. He needs to that that's the Cody Garbrandt that needs Just to show up. Break him down. And I think that he could break him down. I think he's got the reach advantage as long as he can resist the takedown, which I believe he can. Um and keeps it standing. I believe he wins the fight. And then we got 1-1 one, one and Ooh, a trilogy. Eh, fun trilogy. Um, it will be interesting. Do you think that this is a factor with TJ? Because TJ took a monster shot in that fight and almost got put out, but he got up. Do you think that there's a little bit of TJ where he's going to go into this fight a little reckless because he thinks, I took this guy's best shot. He can't put me out. And that might leave him well, more open. Well, that's the problem is, yeah, he took his best shot at that time, but he was fresh. Let that happen in the second or third round. It's a different ball game. Sure. So I think if he goes in there throwing caution to the wind, thinking he's the tougher guy, I think that Garbrandt learned a lesson the first time around, and and hopefully he hopefully it resonates and kind of marinated in his brain for a little while. Yeah. Um, but I think that. If he learned a good lesson from the first fight, he comes in and he fights a little more tactical and strategic. Just a little more. Not a lot. You still got to throw hands. You still got to be aggressive. You still got to put the pressure on. Well, that's going to be interesting because we all thought when he when he won the belt from Cruz, we all thought that was too much too soon. That he was too young. That he's the one who's going to get, you know, that Cruz is, is going gonna, is gonna to out chest move him. That this, it's, it's just he doesn't have the experience under his belt. That he's just a, a one-shot guy. And we learned a lot about him. And, you know, we've seen we've seen more from TJ Dillashaw as far as we just have gotten more of a resume. We know more of what to expect from him. Is Cruz retired? I don't know. I don't know if he's retired. I don't think he's retired officially. I just don't think I don't think he has any fights that really excite him. Because what, what, what does he do? Like, he's lost to both guys who are in the title picture. He certainly doesn't have, I mean, I don't think Cruz is going to go fight anybody. I think his injuries impacted that. Cruz at his prime, yeah, a different fighter, and I think that contributed to these these losses as well. I don't think he came back the same guy. I don't think you can. I think was it two knee surgeries? Two knee surgeries. He had a uh, plantar fasciitis, the foot thing. He's always just had yeah. He's just been he's been busted up. So you might be right. Uh, maybe maybe Cody beat a beat up fighter, and that's why he got the title. Um, but I think even even with him fighting a beat up fighter. I thought we saw a guy who had a lot more in his toolbox than we realized. Agreed. So that's going to be an interesting one. I am. He needs to dig into the you're toolbox. You're going Cody? I am. I want to go Cody. You were going to, but now that I'm going for Cody, you just want to create some drama. I do. I do want to create some drama, but I actually agree with you. I think Cody's going to win. I think, I think we're both on the same page there. Uh, do you see any reason why Mighty Mouse Johnson will not beat Henry Cejudo again? No. All right. You and I are on the same page there as well. Nothing nothing to see here with that one. We'll talk to you guys next week. Thanks for listening. Welcome back, guys. Bonus segment. I uh, wanted to get into a couple other things here just because um, a lot of stuff happened this week. It was a crazy week as far as news going down and all that stuff. So I wanted to get to a couple of the fights that went down because they – Announced this week, I was really excited about this one. Yoel Romero against Paulo Costa for your UFC 230 in New York. That was re- announced this week. And first of all, I mean, is is that the most handsome fight of all time? 
especially body wise. I mean, those two guys are walking in there. I mean, it's just, it's going to make you either want to do sit ups after watching that fight or never eat a carb again. And so I was excited about it. 185 pounds. You know, Yoel is kind of the staple. Um, Paulo Costa is looking for a big fight to make himself a, a true contender. Um, it didn't make a ton of sense from Yoel's perspective. I got that because, you know, he's on the cusp there. You never want to be the guy who's on the cusp. And then you got to find this fight, this young killer who's coming up. And we know with Yoel's team that they've been almost jockeying for a shot at light heavyweight for a title shot. And I think that'd be fun too. If Yoel went up and wait, look, he hasn't made weight now the last two times. I do think it is time to go to light heavyweight and light heavyweight certainly needs some contenders. It really, really does. The question is, you know, who does, who does Yoel then go fight? Does he fight DC? Does he get that fight? Uh, is there an, a vacant title that's up for grabs? Would Daniel, would, would Yoel Romero be worthy of a 205 pound title shot? Um, you know, if he would have made weight, he would have been interim champ against Luke Rockhold, but he didn't. And this past fight against Robert, we were talking earlier in the show about, you know, guys who have two losses on their resume and you're kind of out of the running at that point. But man, Yoel has, Yoel lost the first fight razor thin. He lost this next, he lost the rematch razor thin, very, very arguable that it was a draw arguable that he won that fight with a couple of a 10-8s. So I understand why Yoel Romero doesn't want to be out of the title picture and then all of a sudden go and have to fight a guy in Paulo Costa, who I don't know off the top hand, but if I had to guess, is probably eighth in the division. Um, so if I were Yoel, um, I would go up to 205 because I just don't think there's anything at 185 from until Robert Whitaker loses the belt. And who knows when he's going to come back. I mean, look, Robert Whitaker is a fantastic fighter. He's brittle as hell. And it seems like there's always something wrong with him health-wise. So I would I would take matters into my own hand. I would go up. I would fight either Anthony Smith or I'd fight Alexander Gustafson. Um, I know that DC is probably the fight they want because they think size-wise it's the thing he matches up best with. Um, Gus is a, t- that's a tough fight for Yoel. I mean, he's fighting a guy six, seven. Um, that's a big ask. That's a big ask. But here's the thing. I mean, we have seen Gustafson whose takedown defense is good, but we have seen him roughed up by wrestlers before. And we have seen Alexander Gustafson get taken down or get taken out by guys with big power before and rumble Johnson. So, I think those things, I don't think it's an impossible matchup for you. I think there's definitely paths for him to go win. Um, but ultimately, I do think that it's more likely Yoel goes up to 205 and gets into that title picture than it is he start fighting the young contenders like Israel Adesanya or Paolo Costa. But I was excited for the fight. I'm not going to lie. I was when, it, when they announced it. Um, speaking of Israel Adesanya, he apparently is going to fight Derek Brunson. Ariel Helwani reported this week that at 2.30 is going to go down, which is cool. So they are, it seems like we're going to get Israel and Paolo to fight on the same card. And I imagine the plan is have those guys fight on the same card and then let's eventually get to them going down. And I'm sure Adesanya is going to be the one who does the poking there, but they want those guys on a collision course. So 
seems like we'll get that at UFC 230. Now, other news and notes that went down this week. Nick Newell, I watched this this past week, fighting Alex Munoz on Dana White's Tuesday Night Contender Series. Um, he lost. He lost a, new, a unanimous decision to Alex Munoz from American Top Team, who improved to 5-0. and And first loss for him since he got TKO'd by Justin Gaethje in 2014. And I'm not. This was the first time I watched Nick Newell fight. I was excited about this uh, the storyline and to see what he brought to the table, you know. And it, it, look, the UFC was very hesitant with Nick Newell to bring him in and get destroyed because of him only having one arm. How you know? How would he lose? And look, I could say after fu- watching him fight, this is this is coming from a guy who. This is coming from a guy who doesn't have a lot of background on Nick Newell. So I'm watching him with, like a lot of people, fresh eyes. He's in the UFC. Let me check this out. Um, and, I was, you know, obviously I saw the footage of the, the submissions he was going to put down and all that. This is the thing, just watching him naked kind of for the first time. It feels like with Nick Newell, it when he's going to be in there with the best in the world, He's going to have problems because it feels like he can only catch people in mistakes, you know, and I guess you could say that about a lot of fighters, but I I just felt watching that fight against Alex Munoz that, you know, he either had to catch him with a flying knee or had to grab him in a, in a weird submission. You know, it didn't feel like he could really force his will upon Alex Munoz, who I didn't think looked that impressive. And it made me wonder, watching him against a guy who's very early on in his career, yeah, he had a lot of success at World Series of Fighting. Is he going to be able to do that against the cream of the crop? Like, for example, all right, Nick Newell gets into the UFC and he has these aspirations of being a title contender, right? How is Nick Newell going to do against an Edson Barboza? How is he going to do against a Conor McGregor who just, who use everything they got at you with such precision. They don't make a lot of mistakes. And so watching that, I got why Dana White was so hesitant to make the move. I'm not trying to say he can't bounce back. I'm not trying to say that the road has ended for Nick Newell. But watching him for the first time, we didn't get the fairy tale ending. I, I understood a little bit more why the UFC... Because there was a lot of people pounding their fists on the table. Like, you should let him in. He's just as good as everybody else. He's 14-1. and one. The guy's mastered it. But genuinely watching this fight, I was like, oh, I kind of get why they weren't exactly eager to make this move. And you're talking about the best division on the planet in the best promotion on the planet. You know, it, I, I do think there's a, there's a lot of concerns there. And, you know, maybe he'll get another shot. I hope he does get another shot. But watching that fight, I came away with uh, just with a, you know with some concerns. I was like, eh, I don't know if I'd be that crazy about watching Nick Newell fight the best 155ers in the world. Just food for thought. Um, it's going to be interesting, you know. In the follow up to this week, we have Eddie Alvarez, who's going to be an upcoming free agent. Seem and I were talking about this during the break. We didn't get to it during the show. Uh, Eddie Alvarez. He opened up about the lack of pay and control UFC fighters have 
and said, quote, I think everybody's underpaid, and I think the media knows that everyone's underpaid, and I don't think it's talked about. You know, we should all get more. The UFC gets a load of money, and I want to make the money, and I want them to make money. Without this sport, I wouldn't be able to make a living. I want them to make tons of money. I'm not mad at that. I just want them to share with us a little. That's all. And it's an understandable, totally fair thing from Eddie Alvarez. Look, there's a, there's a lot of UFC fighters that should get paid more, but also... The UFC is in this weird spot right now where <clears throat> they're in this weird spot right now where business is not fantastic. You know, this was a big, big topic after the company sold for $4 billion. And they did just sell their rights and, and got a lot of money from ESPN. So there is money to be had from the UFC. They're going to have guaranteed money coming in. And yes, you do think that in those situations the UFC fighters should be getting more just like in the NBA salary cap goes up just like in the uh NFL salary cap goes up you know guys get paid more than ever and i think the UFC fighters should get paid more um but it is it is becoming harder and harder to find bankable guys who are guaranteed ratings and guaranteed pay-per-views for them so Look, they're going to have to do something unionized. If it's not a union, it's going to have to be something where they come together and really, really make that um, a priority. It's just, it's hard, you man. You know, like these guys, these windows are so short. It's a look, this is a challenge in the NFL. Like, whether the UFC fighters want to recognize that or not, it is a challenge. Yeah, there are other stars who make big, big money. But you think about all the guys who are on that on those rosters, and a guy, you know, let's let's make an example like Jay Ajayi. Uh, I love Jay Ajayi. Jay Ajayi is a running back. Nobody likes to pay running backs. He carried the Dolphins to the playoffs two years ago. He was a big factor for the Super Bowl champion Eagles last year. He's going into a free agent year, and it's likely he's not going to get paid. And that's what this this sport is. And you know, it's Jay Ajayi. Is it should it, is it Jay Ajayi's fault that? Every GM in the league was scared to draft him because he had a bum knee coming out of college. No, but he was able to prove them wrong and show that he was a be- he was better than a fifth round talent. And he's probably never going to get that big contract. And the system in that way is unfair for a guy like Jay. Um, but until the NFL players all come together and make a stand for guaranteed money. I don't think anything's going to change. There's too many players, there's too many guys who are taken care of, too many important guys that are taken care of, that the guys who are on the fringe like that are, are, are going to fall by the wayside. And I think that's the same case with Eddie Alvarez. Before we get out of here, uh, a couple of boxing notes. We didn't get to Dillian White, Joseph Parker. Dillian White won a unanimous decision over Joe Parker, 113-112, an Interesting fight. He got a headbutt knockdown in the second. And he dropped Parker badly in the ninth. I mean, saliva flown in slow-mo from that shot that he hit him with. Um, Dillian White looked this entire fight exhausted. Really, really tired. Huffing and puffing. A lot of guts to get through this fight. He eventually toppled over in the 12th round. Um, Parker sending him to the canvas. And White was, uh, was barely able to beat the count. Stood up. Was able to get the win. And... I would say this is probably end of the line for Joe Parker. 
as a contender for a little bit. He's going to need some big, big wins. Like he would need, I think, a win over Tyson Fury or Luis Ortiz to really get back on in there. Uh, Dillian White's interesting because he's lost to Anthony Joshua. They have the same promoter, so it's not crazy that they can make that fight happen again. Um, I just think with Dillian White, I like his personality. I just think he's he's a step below everybody else, you know? Like, you just look at the cream of the crop. And you were saying, well, who are the top heavyweights in the world right now? And I'd probably say it's obviously AJ, Stiante, healthy Tyson Fury, or in-shape Tyson Fury, and Luis Ortiz, I would say, are the top guys. And if you were to look below them, it would be Joe Parker, Dillian White, probably Jarrell Miller. People are high on Jim Joyce. They think he's he's starting to come on. I think that's kind of your crop right there, the guys who are contenders but just below. And I think if I'm Dillian White, if I were if I were Dillian White, I would try and make a fight with Luis Ortiz. I would have Eddie Hearn try and go make a fight with Luis Ortiz, try and bring him over. Um, it's a very risky fight, and I could I, I think Luis Ortiz would beat him. But I think that for people to really take you seriously in a fight with Anthony Joshua again, you need another big win. You need to really make yourself undeniable. Um, I don't know if I'm Luis Ortiz if I'm taking that fight. I think if you're Luis Ortiz, you're. I think if you're Luis Ortiz. You do everything you can to go get the Anthony Joshua fight. You know, he made the joke yesterday after the win, and he said that uh, I have to put myself on disability because Joshua only fights guys he knows he can beat. But I think if I'm Luis Ortiz, that's the fight I go get. You know, I know he said that, well, I didn't lose to Deontay Wilder. Um, but he did. He did lose to Deontay Wilder. Um, he, he was beating him, and he ended up getting stopped. So I under I get what he's saying, but he did lose to Deontay Wilder. He did get stopped. So if I'm Ortiz, I think the best path to get to the top is to go after the other guy. Go beat the guy. And if you're if you're Eddie Hearn and, and Anthony Joshua, do you take that fight? Because look, I was surprised that Deontay took that fight, especially after the USADA stuff that came or the Vada stuff that came up with the failed drug tests. Um just because so much was on the line for Deontay. I, I, I'm going to have a hard time believing that he makes that fight happen again, even though it is, even though um, Ortiz is worthy of a rematch. Now, he does have the silver belt now, so he is technically, I guess, the next guy in line. Um, and if Deontay can't find a fight with Anthony Joshua, he may have to fight Luis Ortiz again. Um but if I am Ortiz, I think the fight I want is to go fight Joshua. A couple of things with that. You know, I, I think that, one, we've seen Joshua's chin be tested. I think you could definitely put him on the canvas. And I don't think, and, and, and this is maybe not a popular, but I don't think Joshua, I don't think his power is nearly in the class of Deontay Wilder's. I don't think they're in the same stratosphere. I think Deontay Wilder's power at heavyweight is unparalleled. I don't think it's close. And this is in a division where everybody hits hard. A lot of guys can put people away. If you were to rank the most powerful guys in the division, I would go Wilder, Ortiz, 
Third would be Joshua. You know, Parker Tyson Fury, like they're both they're both a little bit fluffy hand for heavyweight. So I would probably go Dillian White uh, after Joshua, and then Parker and or and Tyson Fury are coin toss. So I I, I do think that. Luis Ortiz has the the uh, the capability of stopping AJ and and then getting himself. That would obviously set up a rematch with uh, Deontay Wilder. Bit of a disaster scenario if you're Deontay Wilder because you obviously want the Anthony Joshua fight. You know, and I just think with 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 Anthony, you know, and I know I don't even put Povetkin in these conversations, and I guess I should because he is fighting AJ. Um. I just I don't know what the options are there. You know, Tyson Fury had a fantastic rant. Here it is. I keep hearing Wilder saying if he don't fight Joshua, he'll fight Fury, or and Joshua saying if he doesn't fight Wilder, he'll fight Fury. You know what you can go and do? Suck my <laughs> pair of bums. I'll fight you when I'm ready, not on your time, on my time. You're a pair of bums, and I'm the lineal champion. Always remember that. Dossers, what you are. Seeing a bit. Fight each other and stop being a pair of houses, and that'll decipher who gets the right to challenge the lineal heavyweight champion, being me. Remember that, bums. Peace out now. Have a good training camp and grow a set of nuts. Thank you very much and good evening. I just think that the way Tyson Fury looked in his last fight, he's got a long way to go. I really, really do. You know, and I love Tyson Fury. I love his personality, but I do think we also have to put into a factor of. Is he going to be able... I think Tyson Fury versus Deontay Wilder could be a bit of a problem. I really do. I mean, he's been put on the canvas before. And I don't think... He's just... Deontay's never out of a fight. Like, even as frustrated as you think he is, he always just needs to find that one opening, not hit you that great, and he puts you down. With... I, I feel like Tyson could do what he did to Klitschko, just frustrate him, make him gun-shy make him hesitant. I think we're just seeing Anthony Joshua develop into a more cautious fighter. And maybe I should just say I shouldn't say cautious. That makes him sound scared. He's not scared. I, I just think he's developing into a more calculated fighter. And I think that is when you get in there with an awkward guy like Tyson Fury. I think that can make for you being more gun shy if you don't have a way to solve the riddle. I just think with 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 Wilder, he's almost so I don't want to say reckless, but he's so unorthodox and he, he he's got such an equalizer with that right hand that it doesn't matter. I, I don't care what your style is. I don't care what you bring to the table. I'm gonna find a way to put my right hand on your chin and you will go down. And there's just something he's already he's he's proven it. You know, this is a guy that I doubted to plenty. Um, but when he just keeps racking up wins and he puts forth dominating performances against the guy, like, for example, uh, even even against a, a Stavern, a guy who came in out of shape, he came in uh, uh, lackly motivated in the rematch, but he turned him into an internet meme. Like, it was, that was, you know, when, when, when Deontay Wilder calls himself Tyson, that was Tyson stuff, what he did to... Bermaid Stavern in the in the rematch. Um, but this fight against Ortiz, the the fortitude it took to stylistically lose a fight, 
to physically be losing a fight and to still find a way to come back and win. Really, really impressive. So uh, before we get out of here, boxing-wise, a couple of things. Uh, next week we have Billy Dibb against Tevin Farmer. I'm going to go with Tevin Farmer to win that fight. Devin Alexander's taking on Andre Berto on Fox Sports 2. That is on Saturday. Uh, man, two guys who were at the top of it like five years ago, right? Really on the cusp. I'm going to go with uh, I'm gonna go with the hometown boy, Andre Berto, Heat fan. I'll stick with him. Uh, Sergey Kovalev is taking on Elider Alvarez in Atlantic City. I'm going to go with uh, Kovalev and then Bevel. Dimitri Bevel is taking on Isaac Chalemba in a uh, fight for Bevel's WBA lightweight title. I'm going to go with Dimitri Bevel. And, uh, man, hopefully we get those two. Kovalev versus Bevel. I would love to see uh, that Russian matchup. That would be pretty awesome. That's the show for this week, guys. I uh, appreciate you guys sticking around for the bonus segment. I had a lot of stuff to get to that we didn't get to in the main show. But appreciate you guys sticking around. And, yeah. So we got a fun week ahead, man. UFC 228, we'll have the full recap for you. Or UFC 227, excuse me, from Las Vegas. We'll have the full recap for you next week. We'll see you guys. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See t-mobile.com.